0: It's that time of the week again. It's time for chit chat across the pond. This is episode number six hundred eight for September twentieth, twenty nineteen, and I'm your host Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchat's back with programming by Stealth, installment eighty two of X. Welcome back from your summer vacation part.
1: Vacation? Aren't they supposed to be relaxing? Is that is that not how that's supposed to work? <laughs>
0: Well, I had lots of fun on <laughs> vacation, but apparently it was a, a working summer for you, huh?
1: Yeah, the, the, the downside of working in the education sector. You you get a short window between they finish their summer exams and they start their autumn exams. And in there, you got to squeeze all your change.
0: So like a year's worth of changes all sit there waiting and you have, uh, yep. have to do it all in one fell swoop, huh?
1: Yep. Yeah, because when they get back, they want to get stuck right in like we do
0: yeah I guess so
1: well for a lot of the listeners who might be
0: listening at a later date they're thinking what are you talking about 82 came right after 81 I don't know what you're talking about so we can keep moving on Um, I did want to announce that Dorothy has come out with version 3 of the programming by stealth index and it is a thing to behold it is absolutely gorgeous um, she's got this all bootstrap, mustache, Ajax, and she's even put a red button on there, a red badge, I should say, that says, Now with JSON. So it is it is a thing of beauty. You've taken a look at it, right, Bart? Yes,
1: absolutely. And uh, as as I was saying to you earlier, it's gone from being a web page to being a web app. And it's it sort of, it's, it, it's wonderfully self-referential because each iteration is better because it's been improved using the technology that the index is describing so it it's
0: <laughs> self-referential <yeah. huh? laughs>
1: so i'm sure it makes the universe explode in some way but i, I like it I, in fact i love it i think it's great and the fact that it's now so much easier to search because you know it does that whole as you type it searches real time thing that, yeah that rocks
0: yeah, so if you're better at scrolling, you can show 30, uh, what is it? Uh, I'm looking at it right now. 30, 60, 100 are all entries at once. It's not crammed into that weird little iframe anymore. Uh, like Bart said, it's got this real-time search going on, and uh, it's just it just flows. It's fast. It's just a beautiful thing. Dorothy's put a ton of work into it. There are 435 entries in this so far.
1: Yeah, awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, cause she just she picks out the things that she thinks, hey, I wonder when he talked about this, she'll put it in there. So it it really, really helps. Um and uh Bart has created a URL to make it easier for you guys to find. To remember it's simply Bart ie slash PBS index. So from now on, that's all you gotta remember if you don't know where it is, Bart ie slash PBS index.
1: And just a reminder so yay, that PBS itself is at Bart forward slash PBS.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. And you got to meet Dorothy in real life last week, right?
1: I did indeed. Dorothy was on the is in fact on this fair isle and um yeah, I got to welcome her to this this country. We had a, a lovely afternoon, some nice food. Um and if all goes to plan and the Irish weather gods don't scupper it for us, we hope to be enjoying a historic garden soon as well.
0: Oh, nice it, Nothing made me happier than seeing the picture of the two of you together. It was my world 's colliding. you know that was just just really neat
1: yeah, it was lovely but
0: we have been gone for a while, so we probably should get stuck in huh
1: yeah so some some long time ago, um I actually did leave a sort of yeah, like you say, we should probably plan the hiatus in future instead of having it just happen because we left us we left ourselves sort of mid flow in the middle of talking about promises. I mean, I don't know if I could have made it a bigger teaser if I tried, uh, <laughs> because basically we got to do all the, the stuff in Promises apart from the bit that I think makes Promises the absolute best of all, which is what we're going to do today. Oh. So so today we meet peak Promise. Basically, in my opinion, Promises have been building towards this new feature that was added to JavaScript in 2017. So ES 2017. Oh added two new keywords and that's all we're going to talk about this week is two new keywords but those keywords just bring promises to a wonderful fruition so and oh nice it's i i have been using these two keywords the entire summer with my work hat on so i this is this is what i've been doing so now i get to come and teach it to you guys um But, of course, I did also leave you with a challenge many, 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 many moons ago, (laughs) which is also a little bit unfair. Um, And with three
0: months off, I started my homework three days ago.
1: (laughs) That's a good forced revision.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, if I'd done it right away, it's not like I would remember what I did. So now at least I've reread Promises and I've reread Capital Promises and I've reread... Uh, mustaches, and uh, Ajax, and I did a lot of reading this week to try to unsuccessfully do my homework by myself.
1: Excellent. Well, I guess as, as a quick recap before I do the, the my solution to the homework, um, just to sort of remind ourselves that uh, with promises where we had left our story, we had learned that we can chain promises to make a series of promises. So if you have promises chained together, then you are guaranteed that they will you know the second promise won't run won't run until the first one resolves and so you can make things happen one then the other then the other then the other which means that you have basically operations happening in series and then we right. learned about the wonderful utility function promise.all which takes an array of promises and it will then run all of those promises in parallel, and then it won't resolve until all of them have resolved. So it allows you to switch over and back between parallel execution, one after the other execution, parallelize out again. And so you have an amazing amount of control. So you may, for example... When your page is loading, you may want it to go fetch a whole bunch of resources that you need. And so it should do all that in parallel. I mean, really, don't waste my time doing them one after the other. Do them all in parallel. But the actual UI can't be loaded until they've all arrived. So then you could use all to collapse it all back into one. And then when that promise resolves, you do a dot then on the all, And then you load your, you know, you do your actual thing to build up your interface. And so that's that's where we were if, if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah i I did have to reread it to get there, but I remember that being uh something that made the logic better for me,
1: yeah, so, we learned that, so we have been we had been before we went on polls, we had been playing with a a somewhat childish game where we basically have a a bunch of numbers that we have to guess a number between one and a hundred, and every time we're told whether we're too high or too low. And if we play around a bit, it turns out to be a binary search and we can, in theory, quickly narrow in on the random number that was chosen. It's, you know, arguably a silly game, but we illustrate binary search and it gives us an actual UI to play with. So we we have a playground. So where we had left it was that the challenge before this one was to tweak the game so that it made use of more than one... A uh, mustache template. And my reasoning was to set up this assignment, which is mm-hmm. actually to do what I just described a moment ago, which is that in order for your game to load, you must use Ajax to fetch the template strings from text files. And there must be more than one of them, which means that you now have the problem that you must do things in parallel and then collapse them back into one. In other words, all of this was a big setup to make you use promised at all. Um, That's what you thought you told us to do in the homework? I'm pretty sure it actually says the words promised at all in the homework.
0: Wow. Well, I missed that completely.
1: I mean, maybe I maybe I maybe I read the wrong homework when I did my Oh uh, No, it solution. does
0: say no it does say promise.all. Using either your solution, or the previous challenge of mine, update the code so the templates are stored in separate files other than rather than embedded in HTML. Then use promise.all to fetch all the templates in parallel before initializing the game. So yes, exactly what you said. I got stuck on the first half. So
1: Aha. Okay.
0: Not for lack like of trying though as yeah. we discussed earlier. yes.
1: So let's rewind a little bit further, actually, to give a little bit more context to the homework. So Bootstrap, uh, not Bootstrap, Bootstrap templates, that doesn't make any sense. They're two words that don't belong together. Mustache templates, those go together. Um, <laughs> mustache templates, I. they're sort of like a mail merge, right? You have some text with some placeholders, and then you have some data. And when you render a template, you shove the, the data into the placeholders which is, you know, if you're doing a mail merge, you might write the the text in Word and have some placeholders and the data might be in Excel or Access, and then in it goes and now pops your your finished email. So in this case, what's going to pop out is our um, game UI um, and the templates are strings of text with mustaches in them. And so up until now, we have been embedding our templates into the HTML document using... What I described as I taught it to you as a bodge. Basically, we were using scripts of type um, text-html. Text ex- dash Yeah, which is a way of basically putting HTML into an HTML file so that the browser doesn't show it because it thinks it's a script, but it also can't execute it because it has no idea how you execute HTML because that's nonsense. So it got us as far as we needed to be, but it's not really the right way to do these things the actual right way would be to have your templates separate so they could be edited separately because actually in the real world like graphic design and programming are very very different things i am terrible at one of those things <laughs> so the reason that you like to keep templates separate from the, the your code is so that the graphics people can just work on the templates and just pop in a placeholder and then they can let the programmer folks worry about how to make stuff appear in those placeholders. And so that's one of the reasons you really do want to separate those very separate things out. And we're into the whole okay. idea oh, that that's you want to a, keep good... you know, different things apart because it's just easier to maintain and manage.
0: That's a good explanation of, of why I hadn't thought about the graphics people versus the the data type people. Yeah.
1: And even if you're the only person, like if you're working on an app or something, it is actually nice to know if I'm editing how it works, I open the .js file. If I'm editing how it looks, I open the .css file and or the template files. It, you know, even for your own sanity, it can be actually nice to have them separated out, even if there's not a separate person. That's just you with different hats on from time to time. Right, but I couldn't teach you that way the first time because at that stage I hadn't taught you how to go fetch something in JavaScript. How do how do how do you fetch a URL in JavaScript? Well, until we learned about AJAX, we had no idea, and until we learned about promise chains and promise at all, there was no way for you to get for me to teach you to fetch more than one. But a UI doesn't contain a single template unless it's the world's trivialist ui so in reality you have lots of templates making up your your, your finished structure so
0: wait a minute without promise.all at all couldn't we have done it with callback hell
1: yes we could have done it with a callback hell but it would have gotten extremely hellish extremely quickly
0: okay all right not that it can't be done
1: that is yeah that is a yes that is a fair point it can be done but not without the head
0: exploding parts
1: yes your eyes will bleed and it will be ache but yes you're right it can be done
0: Okay, but now we Just have to make sure I understood.
1: Yeah, so now we have the tools to do it right. So now let's uh, we can have a look at my sample solution. So I had already been using mustache templates, so I didn't really need to change to start using templates. I was already using templates, but my templates were wedged into my HTML in the way I had taught you. So what I needed to do was for every script type equals text at html, I made myself a text file. And I chose. OK, can can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah.
0: So my um, my templates are backwards right now and I have yet to fix them. But I now understand why I need to fix them to make them work right. So I technically do have a mustache template going, but it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. It sort of does things backwards, as you'd explained to me three months ago. And I didn't believe you till I tried to do this week's homework assignment. Um,
1: we but- really did just hit pause and pick up where we left off, didn't we?
0: Yeah, we really did, <laughs> with me still confused. But no, the, re- the reason I'm going to interrupt you, though, is I'm trying to picture what are two different things that you would need to splat onto the screen that you would be pulling from two different text ah. fi- uh, uh, template string files. Well, why don't we what, have a look an at my example sample code? in gameplay. Why don't we
1: have a look at my sample uh, code? Can you,
0: can you just say in words, though, first, without code? Okay, well, like, I was going to say what the names of the screen? files
1: will, will explain. So the names of my templates are game message guesses, guess popover, game one, game grid, game init error, and confirm quit. So they're pieces of my UI. So game message is the template I use anytime I need to tell the user something, right? So if you click on 57, and that's not the right answer, there's a message that says lower, 57 is too high. If you click on something that's wrong the other way, the structure of that message is the same, but the content is different. Yes? Yeah. So that's a template, okay. right? It's one template that has as its piece of data what icon to show and what text to show. So it's a, it's, it's a simple template that contains two placeholders, one for an icon and one for some text. And so no matter what message I need to give, I'm using the same template. Okay, so that's what game message is guesses is you see at the bottom of my of my screen it shows all the guesses i've made
0: I'm not looking at your screen i don't so know okay so my my game So I my mean?
1: my sample solution my 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 implementation blah, my implementation am I supposed
0: to have downloaded that
1: actually i you i used to tell you that before we recorded i i am out of practice I yeah was,
0: I thought since it was in yeah <laughs> i thought it was since it was in uh uh yeah. Okay. I'm getting on to it. I thought since we were in a a beta version of the web page it wasn't ready yet. Okay. So if you All right. So if I had it open.
1: So if you're playing my <laughs> game. Seen. Okay. So if you're playing my game, click on any random number. You have a 1 in 100 chance of not being correct. You have a 99 in 100 chance of not being correct. So have, have a click. Mm-hmm. And you'll see that it, in yellow at the top, it has a down arrow or an up arrow and then some text telling you what's gone on okay that is a game message and if you do something else you'll get a different game message so that's my first template is uh, is just to show those messages in fact there's also a message at the very start to guess a number by clicking on it that's also a game message so the same template is used for all of those messages
0: Okay. Do I need to be running MAMP or something for this to work, and you getting to it from MAMP? Do need to or? be running
1: MAMP for this to work, uh, or running okay. inside and Code I, Runner? One of those two things.
0: Okay, but I, and I can't just double click it. We we have to go through the web uh, the Webstar page we if we're do, doing MAMP
1: because modern okay. browsers don't let you AJAX to localhost. Okay. Sorry, to file colon slash slash. They let you go to localhost colon. It's a HTTP colon slash localhost, but not to file colon slash slash for security reasons.
0: Okay. Um, just for information, Code Runner is saying error failed to initialize game.
1: Oh, okay. Maybe so Code I'm, Runner was I'm sorry that me, we, but maybe not. I'm running it on local. Yeah,
0: host. I couldn't get it to work either. So um, I need to go, sorry, delay here, but I need to open Webstar page and drill my way down because you can't just dump in it. So you go MAMP website. And, oh, nope, not MAMP website. I'm my homepage. My website. Scroll through 9,000 of these. PBS 82. Challenge solution. Yes, that's the one. There we go. Okay. Now everybody had time to do it themselves.
1: That's a really good point.
0: Okay. So right when the okay, game Okay, so loads, now what were
1: you... At the, uh-huh. at the top in sort of, I don't know, Aquamarine? I don't know what you call that. It's... Uh-huh. This, There's an eye icon, guess a number by clicking on it. And then if you click on a number, it says higher or lower, and there's an an appropriate arrow telling you which way to go, and then some more text. So that's another game message. So the same template is being reused over and over again to show show whatever message needs to be shown. Okay. And I called that template Game Message. Then as you're clicking around, at the bottom of the screen... It says the the number of guesses you've made and what they are. Okay, that is the guesses template. Then every time you click on a number, you get a little popover. That is the guess popover template. So it's different every number you okay. click on, but it's, I see what
0: you say. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, these are good examples. Yeah.
1: Then there's one for game one, because when you finally win the game, there's actually quite a complex interface that, ta- that that's different every time. It doesn't just say you won. It shows you a whole bunch of stuff, right? It shows you, here's the six guesses it took. Here's how it would be done if you were using uh, binary search. So that's a template, because each time you win the game, it's almost the same, but not exactly the same. Therefore, it's a template. And again, game and it- error. Confirm quit. So, the part. Okay. The part
0: so I'm, I'm caught up now. I, I, that was that was since I have mine backwards. I needed some way to flip it back to what it's supposed to be. I get it. Yeah.
1: So basically, wherever there's something in my interface that I want to be able to reuse but slightly different, then it's then we're into template territory, right? Because basically, here's the structure and, and here's the variable bits. So in my case, I had those existing templates, a whole bunch of them. And in my original code, I was loading them from those script tags, which all had an ID. So they had, you know, it was dollar function, pound sign, or octothorpe, whatever we're calling it, game message template, and then getting its content with .html. So we were sucking them out of those weird script tags in in that hacky sort of a way. And then I was shoving them into an object, which I had very imaginatively named Templates. Okay, so I still need. I still actually wanted to shove them all into templates, but instead of pulling them from jQuery, sorry, yeah, pulling them with jQuery, I now need to AJAX them. So the first thing is, is I made a text file for each of those. So literally a one-to-one mapping copy-paste job, and then to make my life easier, I decided to do a very common programming technique. I made a folder which I named View. And then I created a separate file for every template and the file naming convention was name of template.tpl.txt. So game message will be in the file view game message.tpl.txt. Game init will be you get the idea. Right. And this means that I can just load my templates by basically looping over all the names and just because I'll know what their URL is based on their name. So then I can okay. just have a function that loops through all the names and does uh, builds a promise for each one. So we get a promise for the first template, a promise for the second template. We shove all of those into an array, and then we can do a promise.all to wait for them all.
0: That's after they've each been requested in AJAX, all those template yeah, files, right?
1: exactly. So you do an AJAX request for each, and then each AJAX so dollar dot ajax returns a promise so when you have all of those promises you pop them into an array and then you just do a promise that all on that array so that then it will wait until all of them have finished
0: okay so this is an example of where the the words you described makes perfect sense and i can look at the code and i can eventually go through it but it's it still it makes it hard for me that you did this extra cool step of looping through all the file names with um, some other code that makes it harder for me to even see that the uh, the Ajax part of it so buried inside of this function that's looping through all these things you then you do this Ajax call okay so I don't know where the, and then the promise dot all I don't is part of that function. So it, it just, I, I know what you're doing is more efficient, but it makes it harder for me to see what it is we're trying to learn today. That's all. Okay, but so if I had I,
1: copied I, and pasted all of those, you would have told me that was a bad smell and it was wrong.
0: No, but you could see
1: what... Okay, okay. That, okay. I'm, I'm just Sorry, saying that, what makes it fair. harder for me that's to learn fair. sometimes. That's no, that's not fair. In my mind, the and I imagined was scolding me, which is why I did it this way, but my mind may have been wrong. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, it's just sometimes you do these really cool, elaborate, amazing things that are, and then buried inside of it is the one little thing we're trying to learn, and that's where I get a little little tangled sometimes. So, um, if I forget this load templates, if uh, and and this looping over thing, then where I'm trying to find so so line you constant eight. TPL promise, yeah, so constant TPL promise is dollar dot ajax, and you go to tpl url but i thought it was views should say view slash okay, but on line seven it's in the file name
1: at line seven it says the tpl url is dot slash view template name dollar
0: squirrely bracket encode code uri component tp i don't know what any of that
1: we're just, building, means, a, we're just building a string right so dot slash view Encode URL component. You know the way in URLs you have that stupid percent twenty every time you hit a spacebar and stuff. Yeah, that's that's what Encode URI component does. So, uh, okay, you you're, okay. you're right that I shouldn't have put that in there. That was that was me <laughs> I, on it, complete it just... autopilot. Making sure my code would actually function in the real world, I should have left that
0: be out. clean. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, you're you're obviously doing smart, intelligent programming, but I'm not ready for that yet. Um, okay, so what I would have seen under URL, I should expect to see a, a, a URL to the view. Oh, this does ask answer another question. I was curious um, when you're when you're talking to a, a file that's local because of the Cross origin problem, mm-hmm. it has to be accessed through HTTP. So I put in my entire HTTP, uh, you know, localhost colon 8080 mm-hmm. slash blah, 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 down to the very last thing saying template.txt. Mm-hmm. But you didn't do that. You just did dot slash view. So you can do that instead of putting the HTTP in there.
1: You can always do that, yes. Because that will okay. be calculated. I was
0: hoping, but. I was afraid since I didn't really, I I had so many failures, I didn't want to challenge it and try that, but good. Yes. Okay. So that would, uh, that URL would be the URL to the view, to the view folder slash the actual file. Yeah. If I was doing these one at a time. Yes. Uh, The the template file. Yes. Right. And then method get data type equals text. uh, And then you've got a dot then function. Mm
1: hmm. So I've named and then I don't. the first argument, so I have chosen to say that I'm going to call what I got back TPL. Right. Because it's a template, so I figured that was a sensible name. Okay. So I am saying that I have this object, right, that contains all of my templates. Templates.game1, templates.guesses. So I'm saying mm-hmm. my object templates, whatever the name of the template is, becomes equal to the actual template I just loaded. Okay. So I'm saving it. it but there's name. an
0: array in there? Some. No, no arrays. Did, did you build an array? No array. What's the square bracket TPL name?
1: That is, so TPL name is the name of the template. So templates, square bracket TPL name means templates. So if TPL name was boogers, then templates.boogers would become TPL. If TPL name was donkey, then templates.donkey would become TPL.
0: But it doesn't say templates.donkey. It says templates in all capital letters, square bracket, TPL name, yes. square bracket. Exactly. That looks like you're talking about an array to me.
1: That's how that we access objects. OK. OK. Right. So templates. I remember is... getting
0: stuck on that before. Yes, OK. okay. Let's,
1: let's, no, this is important. So templates contains a bunch of name value pairs. Yes?
0: I don't know where templates in all capital letters came from.
1: It's an object. Uh, if you scroll up to the previous code snippet, we see var templates becomes equal to. It's an, it's an object with a whole bunch of name value pairs where all the values are empty strings for now. So far.
0: Oh, okay. I thought that was part of you the way I used to, I did it before section. That's the okay. one
1: above. So the one above shows that I was building them all and now I'm just making them empty. Now we've got to go populate them. Okay. Okay. Okay, so templates right. is an object which has all these name-value pairs. If I know right. the name exactly, I can say templates.theName, right? So if I know I want templates.confirm.quit, I would say templates.confirm.quit. But if the name is in a variable, then you access it with the square brackets. So tpl name is a name but it's not exactly TPL name. So this is how we've... this is It's the same way you access an array because an array is just an object where all the key value pairs are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5.
0: Okay.
1: So TPL name so is a variable. T- but- yes, it...
0: And TPL name is a variable that contains what? The name that's, of the template. That's what you're looping through.
1: Yes. So for every name of okay. t- for every name of the template, so game message, guess, guess popover, game one, game grid. For each name, I'm going off and fetching it and then saving it back into its own name. So TPL name the first time TPL name is game message, the second time TPL name is guesses, the third time TPL okay. name is guess popover. So So
0: templates TPL name becomes equal to TPL. You're saying at that instant in time, the first time you go through, TPL is game message.
1: No, TPL name is game message, and TPL is the content of the file we just fetched. Okay. Right? So we named our first argument TPL. So TPL is the content of that text file. So if I have the content for the template named game message, I obviously want to save it into templates game message. So templates... Name becomes equal to the actual template.
0: Okay. <laughs> we're going to have to move on because we're stuck on the first part of your homework. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the rest on faith and have to study up, I think.
1: Okay. They're name-value pairs. So we're saying the name becomes equal to the value. Okay. So we now have in our object the actual templates. So when we start off, we we just have the names. And now after all these AJAXs are finished, the content of those text files is in that object.
0: And is it one giant file now?
1: It's an object.
0: Or is it a that contains a, all of the information of all of the templates? Yes. So
1: okay. message contains the content of the file gameMessage.txt.tpl.txt. Templates.guesses contains...
0: No, but but they're all in one file. They're not in separate files now, right? You no, just no. made one giant
1: They're all in one object called templates. I haven't changed the files.
0: Okay, okay, object. Got you. Got you. Okay. So you've got an object that's got that has everything in it now. They're not separate objects, they're all one giant object.
1: It's one big object. Yes, exactly. So that Okay. I can just access right. them easily.
0: Okay, gotcha.
1: And that's the same object they were in before I started editing my code. So I don't have to make any more changes to my code. So before I was getting each one with the dollar function. Now I'm getting each one by Ajax. But at the end of the day, the same information is now in the same object. So my yeah, homework is complete it. in that sense. Okay. Okay. And I have used promise.all to make it so. So my homework is actually complete. Okay. So that is my sample solution. Before I teach you async and await, let us remember why we care about promises. Why, why someone went to all the trouble of inventing them. All right. So what's needed is non-blocking I.O. So non-blocking I.O. is a negative term. So rather than trying to define a negative, how's about we flip that around and we imagine blocking I.O. With okay. blocking I.O., whenever you try to read something, everything waits until that read finishes. And then the next thing can happen. So if you imagine a piece of pseudocode that says const rate equals fetch exchange rate, euro, comma US dollars, load icon some stuff, load icon, some other stuff, and then a little bit of jQuery to put the rate into some place on the file, right? So we're basically saying fetch the exchange rate from somewhere somehow, fetch me an icon for the euro symbol, fetch me an icon for the dollar symbol, and then write the whole lot out to some imagined web page, right? It's it's pseudocode. It's not going to go well. Gotcha. If this was blocking I.O., then the first line would start to go and fetch the exchange rate And nothing else on the page would happen until it got its answer back. Then it would go fetch the euro icon. Then it would go fetch the dollar icon. And then it would draw the stuff to the screen. Now, that has the disadvantage of being stupidly inefficient, especially on slow internets. And, of course, a real web page is going to have, like... 40, 50 things on it. Like, I mean, if you look at the amount of, if you turn on the developer tools and watch how many network requests a (laughs) web page makes, it's it's lots. Right. So that would never work. However, it does have the advantage that we are guaranteed that when line four tries to draw everything onto the screen, it's all been loaded. Everything is definitely already in place because we know everything happened in order. So the disadvantage is it's stupidly inefficient. The advantage is everything happens exactly in the order we type our code. Now, the need to have non-blocking I.O. means that from the very start, JavaScript had support for that kind of thing. And JavaScript's way of doing it was by providing some built-in functions which use callbacks to get around blocking io. So when you call java's actual built-in ajax function, now we have never done that directly. We get we ask jquery to ask javascript to get do our ajax calls. But ultimately jquery isn't magic. jQuery is just using javascript's apis in a friendly way in a in a in a programmer friendly way. But ultimately it is asking JavaScript to make an AJAX request. And the way JavaScript does AJAX requests is it does them what we call asynchronously. So basically it starts the process and then immediately pretends it's already finished and the next line of code happens while it's doing the other one in parallel. But of course, then what do you do with the answer? Well, the answer is... The answer, I've used the word answer too often there. What do you do with the result (laughs) of the AJAX? Well... You tell JavaScript what you want it to do later when it can, and the way you tell it is by giving it a callback. And so the contract you have with JavaScript is that when I finish the AJAX request, I will execute the callback and I will pass that callback as its first argument, whatever it is I just went and fetched for you. Right, right. And that works absolutely fine when you just need a single piece of information when there's no interrelationships between things, that works absolutely fine. Where it stops working absolutely fine is when there's an interrelation between them all and then we're into so-called callback hell. And that's where we ended up with promises. So that's why we learned about promise chains and promise.all. And that allows us to write code that is a lot more sane than callback hell and it allows us to do the asynchronous stuff in a non-blocking way but it even with promise chains the code is long and it's not easy to see at a glance what it does compared to the pseudocode where it's just this line happens then this line happens and this line happens it's we haven't got to age where it's as easy to read as that. Okay. But we can. At least we can now. So the every year JavaScript gets updated and it takes the browsers a few years to get caught up with the standard. So in 2017, a new standard was released and the browsers started to implement that standard. So now they have it, but they wouldn't have had it yet in 2017, which is why we didn't talk about it earlier. But in JavaScript okay. 2017, two new keywords were added to the language. And they, that doesn't happen very often, right? So keywords are the reserved words you are not allowed to use for variable names. So for...
0: This is added to JavaScript.
1: Added to JavaScript.
0: JavaScript pro- proper. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is not a library. This is core JavaScript has had these two new keywords. So when I say keyword, I mean it is the equivalent of var, let, const, for, if, while. Those are keywords. This is how important. It's a big it
0: committee meeting.
1: It's a very big committee meeting. So JavaScript got two new keywords in ES 2017 async and await. And they are our friends for today. Okay. So the first thing we want to talk about is async. And the order, you'll understand why in a moment. So async, okay. Let me back up a sec. So up until this point in time, there have existed built-in JavaScript functions which behave asynchronously, but you haven't had the ability to create your own asynchronous function. All you could do was write the callbacks that you would hand over, and then JavaScript under the hood would do the asynchronous thing. You couldn't make an asynchronous function. Now you can. You can make any function behave asynchronously by putting in front of it the keyword async. So you can say async function boogers, and boogers is now an asynchronous function.
0: Why, w- why would you want to make something asynchronous? Is it like in your pseudocode example, like it's fine if you go get the icon while you're fetching the exchange rate?
1: Yes, you were actually saying to JavaScript, run this one parallel. Start this function okay. and carry on. So immediately start and okay. carry on. Okay. Um. Now, I have a little note here. So there are code snippets to illustrate this point as we go through this section of the show notes. And those code snippets are designed to work perfectly in the JavaScript console of the file pbs82a.html, and you have to run it through MAMP.
0: Okay. Let me bring that one up here. My website, 82... And I want 82A. Yes, my
1: very imaginative naming convention.
0: And I I want console showing. Yes, yes. Yeah. It says ready.
1: Yeah, I said, it'll take us a moment to arrive. But when we arrive, that's where you're going to be typing the stuff in. Okay. Right, so. The way I think of an async function is that asynchronous functions are automatically promised. So when you call an async function... What JavaScript actually does is it gives you back immediately, it immediately returns a promise for the result of the function. So it starts. Is
0: that a capital P promise? A
1: capital P promise, an actual JavaScript okay. promise. Okay. So when you say v- const x becomes equal to, and then you call an asynchronous function you will instantly be handed a promise for the function's eventual result. Your code continues, and in parallel, the function does its thing, and when the function finishes doing its thing, the promise will resolve. Hmm. So an asynchronous function is automatically promised. So that is the key thing. Whatever you return from that function... So, okay. So the function is automatically promised. So when you're writing the function, if you return something from the function, then the promise that was automatically created will resolve with the value you returned. If you throw an error, then the automatically created promise will reject with the error you threw. All right. So when you're writing the function, you just return or throw. And JavaScript, the language, does the promise bit for you. And does the whole rejecting or resolving thing. So basically what you get is automatic promises, which is handy. Hmm. So let's make an asynchronous function. It's a very silly asynchronous function, but it doesn't matter how silly it is because we can just make them willy nilly now.
0: <laughs> See, this is how people are going to abuse it, Bart. I, I would have voted against it if I'd been on the committee. <laughs>
1: I don't think so by the time we finish this this segment. <laughs> so we're going no, c- to make... I can
0: tell how excited you are. This is going to be awesome.
1: So we're going to make a very simple function called square, which takes one argument we are naming n and returns n star n, i.e. we square n. So it's async okay. space function space square, open parens, close parens with n inside it, and then return n star n. Okay. So that is a function statement creating a function and we have prefixed it with the word async we now have ourselves an asynchronous function so if we pop that into our console we now have async function square n and then we can say we now the function now exists so now let's call the function so let's uh, say demo out becomes equal to square four Okay, okay, now, if that was a normal function, if that was not an async function, then demo out would contain the value sixteen
0: okay, but but instead it returned the value promise and said status resolved result sixteen
1: correct now, because this function is really simple, it basically resolves instantly because all it has to do is multiply two numbers, but right. It You got back. Demo out is a promise. So you can say demo out dot then or whatever you want. But demo out is a promise. It is not the number 16. It is a promise for the number 16. So my async <laughs> function is automatically promised.
0: Right, right. Now. OK.
1: So the other thing to say is the async keyword works every single which way you can declare a function. We have learned about three different ways to make functions come into existence. We have learned about function statements, which is what we just did here. So a function statement is the word function followed by a space, followed by the name of a function, followed by parentheses containing the names of any arguments, followed by the content of the function. That's a function statement. The other thing we have is a function expression, which is our next example that we're going to do. So we're going to make another function called cube, and we're going to do it as a function expression. So with a function expression, you have something becomes equal to function, and then immediately the parens. So basically, this is how we do anonymous functions, you choosing function expressions. And the async keyword works here too. So we can say cube becomes equal to async function n return n star n star n. So my cube function is again shockingly exciting. It just cubes the number okay. And again, if we call it, but this time let's do a dot then to prove it's a promise. So we can say, um, oh, I have forgot to actually mark up the next example, Ignore me. Um, ah. <clears throat> we don't yeah for, we don't actually bother calling that function because it's just the same as before. And the third type of function is a fat arrow function. And I need to mark up this in the show notes. So do you remember that the fat arrow function uses the equal sign greater than to basically write functions in really, really shorthand? If you don't, install yeah. 46. <laughs>
0: I, I do remember I never did quite get the hang of those. I, I I know they exist and I know they look like that, but I have never quite gotten cemented what, what they're for.
1: Okay, well, the key point today is that you can shove the word async in front of them and they work just fine. So the final example there is quad becomes equal to async, open parens, n, close parens, fat arrow, and then the body being return n star n star n star n. In other words, four n's, four times n is quadruple. Okay. So again, we now have three functions, each written in all the different possible ways you can write a function. They are all asynchronous which means that they are all automatically promised. Yeah. So we can call dot .then on the result of them. So in this case we can say quad4.then and then we can do and again the fat arrow function to say console.log the answer. So we're saying when our promise so, resolves console.log the answer. And it's 256 when we quad4.
0: So you said uh, quad4.then ants, and ants, where did that come from?
1: We are naming it. So this, okay, so this...
0: That's the output of quad4? Yes. The, the returned value from quad4 after the promise resolves?
1: Exactly, and yeah. we are naming it ants, okay. and then we are saying you know, what we want to do with ants is it. Okay.
0: All right. And Its status is
1: pending. It was at the time that the Safari chose to console.log it. Safari sometimes just <laughs> Well, because
0: it says 256 is. above it. I know. Which I believe is 4 quad, right?
1: Right, which means that somehow it managed to do a time warp. Because the dot then happened before it console.logged the results of calling quad
0: mm. 4. That makes me think your code's wrong.
1: My code is fine. Safari is, beha- is no, it printed out 256. It very clearly dot then correctly. Right.
0: But then why does it think it's pending?
1: Because it's logging the state of it before the dot then happened. But its logs are out of mm-hmm. order. Sometimes things go a bit wibbly wobbly.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. I think, I, but I understand conceptually what you're saying. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the only thing I want you to take away from this is that it doesn't matter how you create your function, whether you like fat arrow functions or dislike them immensely, whether you like function statements or whether you like function expressions, all three, you prefix them with async and hey, presto, just like magic, you, your function is automatically promised. You return as normal, yeah. but what comes out is a promise. Okay. Got it. So that's async. Async has a friend. It's called a wait. The absolute vital thing you must remember about await is that it can only be used within async functions. Okay. If you use await in the global scope, you will get a JavaScript syntax error. If you use await within a regular function that's not async, you will get a syntax error. It can only be used within async functions. What does a what does a wait do? The first thing a wait does is it pauses the execution of the asynchronous function and waits for a promise to resolve. But it does so hmm. in a non-blocking way. So because the function is so already, I'm asynchronous, just gonna sit
0: here in the corridor. I'm just gonna you know step out of the way, let the traffic keep going, but I'll be back.
1: Exactly. So the async function is already running in parallel to the main body of your code. So it's already not blocking anything. So if it pauses, well, it's already not blocking anything. So so what if it pauses?
0: Okay, so you're going to need to give me a problem to be solved. Why do I need to await if I'm already doing it in parallel?
1: Well, because it, it allows you to write your code so that if you need the answer to something before you can do something else, you can just say await. So imagine you need to load two templates before you do something with them. You can just await say the result of promised at all and then do your thing. So you might have five or I six I thought
0: that's what dot then does.
1: Okay, but imagine a world where you have five or six different async functions running in parallel. Inside any one of them, if you need to do something in series, you just await. And that won't But I block. thought that's
0: what dot then did. I thought dot then said, "Don't do this until you get this other thing done."
1: Correct, but dot then we just said is not easy to read.
0: Okay, okay, so it it is the same kind of functionality.
1: Yes, exactly, It's the same kind of functionality. Okay. Doing things in series, but instead of having to do but it in as a, a promise, way you can chain, actually read it. You can just re- exactly, <laughs> okay. you can do it in line where you can read it. Okay, so this is this is you adding... keep making
0: us learn these hard ways, and then we get the easy way.
1: Huh? Well, when I learned promises, there was no easy way.
0: Yeah. So we had to slug through the snow uphill 12 miles both ways (laughs) because you did, right?
1: (laughs) Not just because I did. The fact that await is a shortcut and the fact that async is a shortcut, if you didn't understand promises, if I told you async automatically promises a function, what value would there have been in that statement?
0: True. And we might run into promises. We will run into promises, right?
1: Because they still exist. By
0: other people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. This is just a way of dealing with them. So I appreciate
0: going uphill both ways in the snow.
1: Yes. Okay, so await does three things. So the first thing await does is it pauses in a non-blocking way. So it doesn't lock up your whole UI. You can still keep clicking on buttons. The user interface continues to be responsive. If there's 50 images downloading in the background, they continue to download. The only thing that's paused is the function, the async function that contains the await keyword. Everything else is still running. So it's, not, it's still non-blocking is the important thing.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Now, if the awaited promise resolves, await takes on the value of whatever the promise resolved to. So if you await square 4, then the result of that statement will be 16.
0: Wait, why isn't it the result of the function it's it's in?
1: Well, because you're awaiting some you're awaiting a promise. So you're in a function, but you're not awaiting that function itself. You're awaiting some other promise.
0: Okay.
1: The examples will make this clearer.
0: Okay, good.
1: Right. But you are awaiting okay. a different promise. You, you, you happen to be inside an async function, but you are awaiting some other promise. And when that promise resolves... So if
0: I've, if I've got a function uh, that's console.log boogers, and inside it I put an await, uh, for square four, you're telling me that it's not going to console. log boogers; it's going to write sixteen. No, maybe it makes no sense. No, the way okay. That I, it. Let's I, go to your examples. I can't parse yeah. that. Okay.
1: I'm going to say, give me but five lines of text here, and we'll get to a real example.
0: Okay. Good. All right.
1: The point is, when you use the keyword "await," the thing to its right, right? When you say, a, when you type a into your code editor the thing on its right Mm -hmm. will always be a promise. Otherwise, you'll have a syntax error. So you'll have something becomes equal to await something. That something will be a promise. That promise is going to do one of two things eventually, resolve or reject. If that promise resolves, then await takes on the value of whatever it resolved with, and then that gets shoved into whatever is to the left of await. So if you're awaiting square four, then you'll get 16. Not a promise of 16, an actual 16. And if the promise goes horribly wrong, then await will throw an error. In fact, it will throw the exact error the promise rejected with. So if the thing to await right throws an error, then await just throws the same error. It goes, whoop. Sorry, if the promise rejects, await throws. That's the right way to say it. So, the way I think of it, to make it make sense in my head, is that a wait waits for a promise and then unwraps its result. So, a wait becomes either a value or it throws an error, depending on whether the promise resolves or rejects. So, you don't have to worry about the promise anymore. What you get out is either an error or a value. The fact that it came from a promise is not your problem anymore. A wait has done that for you. Does that make sense? Hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. So async I'm cheating, looking at your examples.
1: <laughs> yeah, so async automatically promises, and await automatically unpromises. Right. One of them is wrapping hmm. things in promises, and the other one is unwrapping promises for you. Okay. So they're I'm
0: resolving and rejecting them for you.
1: Yeah. So they're they're basically they're they're promisers and unpromisers. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's do an example. So we have an async function, another one, called square cube, which is going to square and then cube a number, or cube and then square a number. It's going to square the cube of a number. Anyway, going to call both (laughs) of those things. So we say, let ants become equal to a weight cube of n, n being the name we give our first argument. So that means that ants is going to become equal to something. So if we say square cube 2 then a weight becomes 2 times 2 times 2, 8. Times 2? <laughs> no, cube is no. 2 times 2 times 2. Oh, cube. Sorry. Yeah. Right? So if we call square cube of 2, then line 2, ants becomes equal to 8. Right. And it waits for that promise to resolve. And then it moves on to what line waits? 3.
0: You said it waits. Okay, this async function waits.
1: Yeah. That's okay. the await keyword, very nicely named. Okay. It waits, and then it gives you back the answer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So on the next line, then, we say, ants becomes equal to await square of ants. We have two interrelated promises. We are, ah. right? The result of the first promise is the input to the second one. But it doesn't matter because we've awaited it. So any sort of, you know, we have our series here. We are, we are executing in series without dot thens. Just by saying await.
0: You're really screwing with us that you're saying ants becomes equal to, since that was ants before. Right, where well, it's an oh, accumulator. Oh, I guess that's the way it has to be, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay.
1: And then we return it. So we have now called our two, we now have one asynchronous function followed by another. We have our, our operations in series, and we haven't had to chain them. We've just said await. That is much easier to read. But it's non-blocking yeah. IO. Right. That's, that's
0: interesting. And it, it definitely is readable. I'll give you that.
1: Yeah. So you can use the, other, the final thing to say is you can await any promise from anywhere, right? It, it doesn't have to be a promise you created with an async function. It could be a promise handed to you by $.ajax. It could be a promise handed to you by some other library that you've got from somewhere else. You can await any promise,
0: Oh, I thought you said that await had to be inside async or you'd give, get an error.
1: It has to be inside, but what it waited... So, okay. So on line two, the await is inside square cube, but it is waiting on cube. Line
0: two. Right, but you but you said I can use any promise, but it has to be a promise that comes inside an async.
1: Right, the line of code has to be within an async, but the actual promise to the right of the word await can be any promise.
0: Okay.
1: So you could say await $.ajax URL colon my text file dot txt.
0: Okay. Okay, I see what you're saying. But it still has to be inside an async. It
1: has to be inside an async, but you can, you can await any promise inside an async.
0: Okay. By the way, I tested that little bit of code, your square cube... Code where it cubes it and then squares it and waits, and it does, it stays status pending. It never returned. Uh, but should have console.log.
1: Sorry? It should have console.logged.
0: Yeah, it was I supposed to console.log square cube? Uh,
1: well, in the example, it says, otherwise, yeah, if you don't do a dot then on square cube, then nothing's ever going to happen. So that's why the snippet okay. low.
0: I don't see a snippet below this. Oh, okay. Okay, there you go. Gotcha. Okay.
1: So let's cement this with a simple but practical example. Then we're going to cement it with a true example. So, in this first example, the reason I call it simple is because I am pretending there is no such thing as an error. Because this way you get to see everything working perfectly. And then, in our real example, we'll introduce the concept of "Oh, you mean things can go wrong." <laughs> so we're going see Bert
0: to... Summer. <laughs> Pardon? See Bert Summer. Yes,
1: we're <laughs> going to write a function called Random Num of Random nums, which is going to get a random number between one and five, and then return that many random numbers between one and one hundred. Okay. So we're going to return between one and five random numbers between one and 100. And we're going to get all of our random numbers from my random number generator web service function, the URL of which is in the show notes. So the key point is there's an AJAX call you can make that will give you back a random number. This
0: Right. Script, I remember that one.
1: Yeah. This script expects two arguments. Arg one is the minimum value and arg two is the maximum value. So when we say arg11, arg25, we mean give me a random number between 1 and 5 inclusive. So the first thing I do when I'm writing... Okay, so the full function is inside PBS82A, but we're going to build it up in pieces. So we're going to be requesting multiple random numbers from the same URL. So I could copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste, but that would make my code snippets look really long and confusing and be really wasteful. So I'm going to make an object named ajaxconf that is going to specify how to go fetch a random number. So const... Just
0: out of curiosity, what's conf? Configuration. What is that in your head? Configuration, Okay.
1: So we're saying URL become, URL colon https bartbushes.ie, util faker ws number between yeah, it's the URL okay cache false right. data arg11, one, one, which is the minimum value, arg25, which is the maximum value Right, so that's we've just seen that one before.: Yeah, that's just how to Ajax, and we've shoved it into an object okay. so we don't have to mush up our code with it. So the first thing, if I want to get a random number of random numbers, the first thing I need is the first random number to figure out how many other random numbers I need. So I am going to say const num rand nums becomes equal to await $.ajax ajax conf.
0: Okay, can I say what that means? You can. So you're going to go do a uh, an ajax call... Wait a minute. So you're going to do an Ajax call on the object that you just created in the previous code and you're going to wait the answer for that mm-hmm. before creating this constant number of random numbers.
1: Right. So when that line finishes executing, what 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 what, what will reality be?
0: A number between one and five. Right.
1: Exactly. Inclusive. So, yes. So at So we have now, in one line, done an AJAX call and waited for the results and saved it into a variable. This has become almost as easy as just saying, you know, numrandnums equals math.random. I mean, we've we've really moved on in our ability to do AJAX thanks to all this wonderful await stuff. This is a lot simpler than... You've thrown
0: me for a little turn here, though. I I, I'm a little confused that you can do $.AJAX on a single number because how do you Const mean honestly? Ajax number? Conf. No, no. Ajax Conf. Well, I, w- is an object. I was trying to explain it and you talked over me, Sorry. so I'm gonna keep finishing mm-hmm. what I was asking. So you've got $.AJAX on Ajax Conf. Mm-hmm. Ajax Conf is already a number between one and five. No. So it's a number. It's it's
1: no. three. No 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 ajaxconf is that object we just created.
0: That has in it the number three.
1: No. Ajaxconf is an object containing the key URL with the value. HTTP colon slash slash, the key cache with the value false, the key data, which is another object containing the two keys, arg1 and arg2. AJAX config.
0: Oh, it doesn't have a dollar AJAX anywhere around it. I, okay, gotcha. Okay, I'm caught up. Okay. Whew. So it's all the stuff that I'm, well, it's all the stuff I'm used to seeing inside dollar dot Ajax, but there isn't a dollar dot AJAX in front of it.
1: Exactly. So that saves us copy, paste, okay. copy, paste, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I like I like it. Okay.
1: Okay. Phew. I'm glad I
0: asked because otherwise I would have been going, what
1: the heck was he doing?
0: Okay, I'm with you. Good. I'm
1: glad you asked too. Okay. Okay, so now at this point in our function, we know how many random numbers we need. So now we need to make a promise for each and we should do those in parallel and then wait for the answer would promise that all.
0: So, hang on. So we just told it, uh, the constant ran a uh, number of random numbers is a wait on that AJAX call. Yes. So we're wait we're we're we've got the number, but it's standing by.
1: No, we have the number, so we now know we need three random numbers. It's a random number of random numbers. So we now have the random number.
0: But what then? What's awaiting? I thought we were, we're a waiting then why did we use await on that? Why wasn't it just const random number is $.ajax Ajax, Because
1: then num random numbers would be a promise. It wouldn't have a value. $.ajax returns a promise. We don't want the promise. We want the actual answer, which is why we awaited the promise. Hmm. We can't continue until we know how many numbers we have. So we have to wait for the answer. Otherwise, we'd have to use a promise chain, right? If we didn't... If we didn't use a wait, we'd have to do a dot then. And then inside a dot then we'd have to continue with our logic. Okay. But then we're into promise chains, which are hard to read. Okay. By using a wait, we're, right. we're just saying, give me the answer straight, and I'm gonna pop it into this variable. So it reads really simply.
0: It's it's kind of a twist of logic to say that without a wait, it would be a promise that's unresolved, mm-hmm. but with a wait. Where the word await usually means you don't have it yet, this means you have it. Yes. That's counterintuitive to me.
1: Well, look at await as a command. You are telling JavaScript to sit here, wait for the answer, and then shove it into this variable.
0: Okay. And then shove it into this variable is the important half of it. Okay. All right.
1: Yeah. So when that line finishes, we have the answer. So we now know how many we need. So when we know how many we need, it's time to go fetch that many. Now, a subtlety here is that I said that we want between 1 and 5 random numbers between 1 and 100. So arg2 was set to 5. Now we need arg2 to become 100. So let's just update our little object. So we say $AJAXconf.data.arg2 becomes equal to 100. Okay, we're now fetching numbers between 1 and 100 inclusive. Does that seem reasonable? okay. Yeah, a little tricky, but I followed you. Good. I'm with you. So now we are going to need some amount of random numbers. And we want to use promise.all to get them in parallel. So we're going to need an array of promises. So I am making an array called random promises. I think that's a good name. Is that reasonable? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Then we need to fill that array with an amount of random numbers and we know the amount, it's in the variable numRandNums. So I have a while loop that says while randNumPromises.length is less than numRandNums. In other words, while we don't have as many as we want, keep adding more. Right. We say randNumPromises.push, in other words, add to the end of the array, Ajax ajax ajaxconf.
0: right? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm annoyed by one thing. Okay. So I thought, so we had determined that the number of random numbers was three in my example, in your example. So now yes. you're saying, right. So, it, well, it had to be one and five. Yes. So it's a number between, between one or, and five. We're yes. just going to call it three. Right. But we're going to call it three for to, this purposes of my sure. question. So you're saying while random number promises dot length is less than three.
1: Yes.
0: So, ah, just I just caught up. Okay, so we're only going to have three random numbers in this array. Yes. If, if it's three, there will never be more than five. For some reason, I was thinking there would be a hundred of them, but we're picking random numbers within one to hundred. Got you. Yeah.
1: Inclusive. Precisely. Okay. Yes. All right. So this, I mean. You could easily, you could have written that as a for loop if you prefer. For, for you know for con, let, for con, for let n equal zero, n is less than num randoms. N plus, plus I
0: would always do a while over a for. I thought I, so too, which is make why my I had explode. Way. <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So basically, when this code finishes, we now have an array of promises, and we haven't awaited anything here, so they're all off in parallel with each other. Right, dollar. Ajax returns a promise, right. so they're all running. We now want to wait until they've all finished. So we say const rand nums becomes equal to await promise that all rand num promises. So, so what does promise that all do?
0: Yeah why, yeah, why did we have to have a promise.all on that? Because we've got a nice little while loop, and it's going to loop through and fill up this little array.
1: What's it filling the array up with?
0: Random numbers. No. <laughs>
1: Between 1 and 100. No. Promises. Oh, if you say object... Oh. Promises of random numbers. that $.ajax returns a promise. We have an array...
0: I'm starting to hate dollar dot $.ajax, Bart. <laughs> okay yeah
1: right. we called the array random promises. It is an array of promises of random numbers, so they yeah. will they will they will resolve to random numbers, but they haven't yet so promise at all is going to give us a promise that is the result of all the other promises
0: right, okay of that array of promises
1: yes, so promise at okay. all will give us one single promise. For an array containing the answers to all the other promises. And we're going to await promised at all. In other words, we're going to sit here until every one of those promises finishes. And then we'll have okay. all of our answers.
0: Okay. So it sounds like the, the, the promise is that the, the logic is there, but it may or may not be done executing. Exactly and finding them all. Yes. So they're they're considered promises until they're done and promised at all the await says after the promises have resolved then you're okay to store that number. Exactly. So or numbers. Yeah,
1: and they could come back in any order. Remember, there's no guarantee that they'll go in the order you wanted. But promised all will just wait for all of them and then fill up its answers in the order you gave the questions. Right. So all of the asynchronous stuff is taken care of by promise.all. And by awaiting it, we're just saying, yeah, I'm just going to sit here until you have all finished generating. And then I'll have you all, please. Thank you very much. And then we just say return randoms. Okay. So putting it all together, you get the following 32-line function with lots of comments. There's literally not a single line.
0: It's actually simple looking.
1: Thank you. I was hoping you'd say that. (laughs) But I am
0: also going to follow it by, and I will later on say, I don't think you ever told us this part.
1: <laughs> why is it a promise? So co- it's a number compared to compared to promise chains. This is much easier to read. Yeah. So that is why I love async await because it lets you. Write. I think I think human
0: as it. when you when you understand it. When you when your brain gets promises, then this makes a lot more sense to look at it this way. But the other uh, looking at promise chains just keeps smacking you in the face with that's just a promise. Don't <laughs> think no, you gotta then on that, you know.
1: That is true. It's very in your face. Whereas this yeah. this sort of assumes you understand promises and then does most of the work for you. Which is why if I started like this you would be so confused.
0: I'm only a little confused. Okay. Because
1: it would be black magic. Like, if you didn't mm-hmm. understand promises, this would be black magic. So a bonus tip, by the way. So I, I, I hammered home the point over and over and over again. You can only use await within asynchronous functions. You can only use await within asynchronous functions. What if you don't want to make a function? Like, you could make an asynchronous function and then call the asynchronous function, but that's just wasted typing. What if you have a really short little script, maybe one you run on the command line or something? Why can't I just write a line of code that contains the word await? Well, do you remember? Many, many moons ago we learned about self-executing functions. Vaguely? Vaguely. Yeah, there were a thing we talked about really early in the series. It's a function that immediately executes itself and never even gets a name. Well, I told you you can use async in front of any function you care on the planet. Well, you can do the same with, a, with, with automatically executing functions, or to give them their proper name, IIFE's. Immediately invoked function expressions, if you must know. <laughs> okay. Basically, you can copy and paste those three lines of code... They use a await, and they will work straight into the console. Okay,
0: I don't know what those three lines are. I'll explain them in a moment. Or, but or do you, if you, okay. <laughs> okay, splat them in the old console.
1: Splat them in the old console, and we have gotten okay. to use a await without having to write a function. Well, we have written a function. It's just an immediately executing anonymous function. And it should do a window.alert of your IP address.
0: It has an IP address.
1: Yes, that is your public IP address. Okay. So, an anonymous function is a function that has no name. And in this case, we've used the fat arrow syntax to make an anonymous function that takes zero arguments, which is why you have open and close parens immediately after each other followed by the fat arrow. We have stuck the word async in front of it, and then we've wrapped a whole bunch of stuff inside parens And then we've put two more parens on the end to immediately execute it. That is, is, so lines one and three are an anonymous, asynchronous, self-executing function. Or boilerplate.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: You can put anything you like between lines one and three and you can use await. Because your inside is self-executing asynchronous function. So it's a really handy tip for if you just want a quick and dirty script or if you want to quickly do something on the console and you want to use a wait, you can with this trick. As a bonus tip, if it confuses you, know it exists until the day you want it and never think any more about it until you want it.
0: Do you have a text expander snippet for this one? Yes, I do. (laughs) I can smell it.
1: (laughs) Because I do an awful lot of JavaScript on the command line these days. And I really like await, and a lot of command line scripts are little one-liners, so this is just so convenient.
0: So if you're just doing one little thing, why do you, why do you need async and await? Why not just say window.alert this?
1: Well, because then all I would see in my window.alert is a promise, because $.get returns a promise. <sighs> I'd have to do a .then, and a one-liner with .then is not particularly one-line-ish.
0: Why? Because it's one more letter than get.
1: Well, no, no. You still have to do the dot get. You have to do dot okay. get dot. Then create a function. Then inside the f- give the argument a name, and then inside the function console log to the same okay, name. Okay, so you
0: can't do any of this I I F E stuff with with if you use anything other than dollar dot get.
1: Well, or anything that involves a promise. If you didn't do the lines one and three stuff, you would have to use dot then. You couldn't await it.
0: Okay. 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 I'm with you now. All right.
1: Because remember, await can only be used inside an asynchronous function. So this is a really cheap way of getting an asynchronous function. It's an anonymous asynchronous function, but it's still asynchronous.
0: (laughs) Bargain asynchronous function.
1: Exactly. As I say, it's a bonus tip, right? I've labeled it as a bonus tip. I find it immensely useful. And I would say the key takeaway is know that it's possible and then look it up in the PBS Index later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Intent Dorothy.
1: Exactly. Okay, so let's do a real-world example. Let's circle back to installment 80, where we did our last real-world example that was using Promise Chains. We used Promise Chains to use one web service to get our city from our IP address, and then we used a second... Um, Ajax request to get the weather for our city. Do you remember that?
0: Right. Yeah. So yeah. we can
1: do the same thing using Async Await. So this has to be done through your... Um, ah Through your map, mm-hmm. Just like we had to do in PBS80. So the first thing we want to do is... So, okay, so the, the, just to... I'm s- sorry, is there
0: a file I'm supposed to be opening?
1: We're still in PBS 80A. Uh, we're, okay,
0: we we're haven't, in 82. We haven't left anywhere yet. You mean we're going back? Well, we're in 82.
1: Oh, that's a typo. You're talking about 80. Yeah, that's a typo. That should say 82. Yeah, but... <laughs> okay,
0: good. All right, I'm, I'm grabbing it. There won't be a typo by the time you guys get here. Yes,
1: precisely. That is second okay. thing I have to do. So it's basically the same file we've been using all along. Now, the function is already written in that file, so you can look at it all, but let's let's build it up line by line by line. So we want to get the weather for our current city. So step one is obviously figure out our current city. So like we did last time, we're going to have a default city defined at the top of the program in a global variable. So I'm just going to say let city become equal to default city. Okay. Then we're going to do an AJAX request to a free geolocation service and the URL is saved in the global variable geolocation URL. Now, because Mm -hmm. we're using await, we can do our error handling in the normal way, i.e. with a try-catch block, because await will either give us the value or throw an error. So now our error handling code is normal JavaScript error handling code, instead of having to remember that the second function is the error function and the first function is the success function, it's just normal code for success, catch for error. That's much more like we're used to. So we know that something could go wrong while trying to get our geolocation, so we just pop it in a try block. So we say try const geodata becomes equal to await $.ajax... URL is the URL to the geolocation web service. Method get, data type JSON. Mm-hmm. So we now we now we now have the answer from that query, and the city is geodata.city. And then we
0: oh, I just saw how pretty that is.
1: Yeah, because we know what it is.
0: Yeah, exactly. It isn't a promise anymore. It's not sitting there waiting. Exactly. I mean, it's either default city or it's it's uh... the city. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So then we have a console.log just so we can see what's happening. And then we have our catch. So if something went wrong, what do we do? Well, we output to the user, fail to geolocate you using default city, whatever the city is. And then we console.log the error just in case we're curious. But we have two very distinct blocks of code here. What happens when things go right in the try? and what happens when things go wrong, and the catch. And this is no different to anything else we've ever done that can go wrong, right? Try catch. That's how we've always done our errors. So now we have promises, but they're not like, you know, first callback success, second callback failure. It's just try catch. That's normal looking. I like
0: it. Huh. It's a lot cleaner.
1: It's a lot cleaner. So now we know for sure that we have a city, either the default city or the one we found. So now we can go get our weather, which is strangely similar code try, const weather becomes equal to await $.ajax, URL, the weather URL, method, get, data type, text. In this case, we need to give it some data. The city, we give it the city. And the units, I'm giving it C for Celsius. But you could change that to F if you like. And then we just output the weather. And in our catch block, we just have fail to retrieve weather and a log of the error. Hmm. So we're now doing AJAX, but it's really simple, readable code. Try, catch. So the whole function... And now,
0: the so the whole function, the what makes the searching for the URL uh, have to happen before the uh, search for the weather?
1: Well, the fact that we're awaiting the answer. So on line five, we say, await $.AJAX.
0: Okay, so it's not just that it's a... It, it it has to have a resolved promise in order to go on to the next step.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, we need okay. to know the answer before we can continue. So we await. Like, it,
0: yeah, I would have voted yes on the committee. <laughs> you see, <laughs>
1: told you. Yeah. So this is it. This is how we now do promises in series. We just await them.
0: Okay. So somehow my my weather came out in in Fahrenheit, by the way, and I didn't do it. Oh, actually, I, 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 I had the, the
1: same bug in PBS eighty, and I forgot to fix it. I never did figure out what that bug was. <laughs> Obviously, the localization accidentally is giving it
0: to me in the yeah, uh, accidentally having it be in the uh, units I want. You should go fix that. I should
1: it gives me Celsius, which I guess makes me happy, and it gives you Fahrenheit, yeah. which I guess makes you happy. So I guess we win. Um, anyway, <laughs> so. If you're curious, by the way, PBS eighty has the original code with the promise chains, and you can go and compare the two. And you, what you will find Seems side by side is one of them is easy to read, and one of them isn't.
0: Yeah, I was actually thinking you were going to do that, but we can definitely do that. That be that would be tempting to see what that uh, hmm. what that looks like, how nasty it looks in comparison. Yeah.
1: So your challenge is probably not going to be a surprise to you. But we now have a game where we're fetching some stuff with promise chains. Why don't we do them with async await instead?
0: I wonder whether I ever successfully did do a promise chain. I might just skip right ahead.
1: You might <laughs> just skip right ahead to async await. Yeah. Yeah. I won't I won't say not to. But
0: I still gotta get all my mustache templates working, so i I've, I've I've still got an uphill climb.
1: Yes, but that, that is simply the challenge. So to update the game so that you use async await. So that wraps up our exploration of promises. So okay. we are now armed with the skills to have human-friendly asynchronous code in JavaScript. And modern JavaScript is extremely asynchronous. So this is really good to have this under our belt. Like I say, yeah. if you're doing server-side JavaScript with Node, it's promises all the way. If you're doing uh, CLI JavaScript with Node, it's promises all the way. If you're interacting with databases, it's promises all the way. It's promises are just everywhere in modern JavaScript. And async await is very, very, very much your friend. So the next thing we're going to do is we're going to wrap up a few loose ends on Bootstrap. And really, we have very little left to do. It's just a few loose ends to tie up. So we know everything now, you mean? We're done? Everything I'm going to <laughs> teach you in this pass through. Bootstrap is large. So we're, we're we're cherry picking to the point where you should be able to get whatever else you want by reading the docs.
0: No, but I mean X X is gonna be eighty three. We know we know we're at the end of programming by stealth, is that what you said?
1: No. <laughs> we're at the end of a phase of programming by stealth. Okay. Um So we're going to catch up on a few more bits of Bootstrap, and then we're going to catch up on some of the other new stuff that came along in ES 2017 and ES 2018. So we've just done async and await, but that's not all the new fun stuff that we've had to JavaScript. We're missing one or two other really useful features that we need to loop back to pick up. And then what I'm going to do, I haven't quite decided what it's going to be, but then I think we're going to consolidate our knowledge by writing a web app together. I have a few ideas, but basically we want to build up using everything we've learned a web app because at this stage, we have client-side web programming. We have the HTML. We have the CSS. We have the JavaScript. So that is what you need for a front-end for a web app. And then, this is going to take us a, a while, obviously, then we're at a decision point. And I think I'm going to want some user feedback because there are lots of mm-hmm. possible places we could go. So mm-hmm. we could move to the server side, the obvious, the obvious next place to go, because fetching things from the server is kind of, we've been using other people's servers, right? So you use my server to get random numbers, but we, haven't, we have not lifted up the hood and what the hell's going on there. We've used someone Mm -hmm. else's server to get the weather. We've used someone else's server to get our IP address to a city. So maybe we should explore how these server things work. That's a place we could go. We could also take JavaScript to the command line, which could be kind of interesting to build little command line apps for ourselves. Uh, We could take JavaScript Mm -hmm. into Automator. Um, It's a bit Mac-specific, though. If we choose to go to the server side, then we're left with all sorts of decisions because this isn't JavaScript by stealth. This is programming by stealth. So if we go to the server side, we could do Node.js, which is JavaScript, or we could do PHP. Or we could do, (laughs) right? And then once we do go PHP or JavaScript, doesn't actually matter which... One of the things that I know for sure we definitely want to do somehow is databases. And then we're left going, do we go with MySQL? Do we go with these newfangled NoSQL databases? We have lots of potential Mm. decisions. So basically, if any of our listeners have anything they're dying to know, pipe in on the Slack. Because within the next two months, I have a big decision to make where this series goes. And it may as well be informed by you guys' opinions.
0: Yeah, and that Slack community is at podfee.com slash Slack. It's open to everybody. Go in there. Uh, That's where you can count on Bart to be hanging out and answering questions and stuff, too. So um, I will make a certain bid. uh, As soon as you said PHP, when I hit PHP, I go, okay, don't know this. Can't have whatever it is I wanted to do. I stop. And I run into it all the time. Um, I was just helping Sandy uh, move her website over to WordPress. And there's a very specific thing she wants that's completely logical and should be possible without any weird code stuff. And near as I can figure, the only way you can do is with PHP. And I read all these different web pages talking about it, and I went, yeah, I don't know how to do that. Okay, I'm out. And, and it makes me sad to have such a big chunk of what I know how to do in WordPress. I don't know how to do that.
1: Well, if it helps, I've been leaning towards going PHP I I was in fact I was chatting to Helma or not to Helma to uh, to Dorothy about this when we were when we were walking together. Yeah and on the one hand, I don't really like PHP. <laughs> on the other hand, it's ubiquitous. Like it's yeah. everywhere. And I have written quite a lot of PHP because a lot of my work stuff is PHP. WordPress is PHP, Moodle is PHP, Drupal is PHP joomla is php if,
0: if you just look at wordpress being where most websites are, are, are the the tool that most websites are hosted on and it uses um php, PHP and it uses uh the um, mysql sorry mysql i i would vote for that but it might be influenced by the fact that i've got a wordpress website but if i feel like there's all this stuff i would like to be able to do and i just Nope, right. can't go down that road. And what's the second most popular
1: yet. thing for hosting websites on? It's Drupal, written in PHP. Okay. What, does MAMP, what does MAMP do? Oh, MAMP does PHP.
0: <laughs> what does WAMP do?
1: Exactly. <laughs> PHP. So PHP yeah. is ubiquitous. PHP is easy to install. PHP has bindings for all the common databases. So to be honest, I think, we're leaning towards PHP. I was leaning that way anyway, but anyway, I still want feedback from listeners because, yeah, there, are, yeah, like I said, there are lots of different avenues we could go down, and even if we do go down the PHP route, I'd still be curious what databases people are interested in. We should probably start with a traditional database, so MySQL seems like a very logical starting point. But there's also these new NoSQL databases, and they're rather fun. Mm. New fancy stuff, huh? New fancy stuff. Yes. So yeah.
0: All right. Well, so we expect we're on schedule to keep going, not not with long breakpoints, right, Bart?
1: Right. We yeah, we're we're back in the saddle here, um, and n is going or x is going to be quite a bit larger than eighty three. <laughs>
0: okay. I was just teasing.
1: Yes. I figured you were giving me an opening, so I took it.
0: <laughs> right. 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 All
1: right. Okay. Well, I guess uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Indeed. And until then, happy computing. If you learn as much
0: from Bart each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon. You can donate via PayPal or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.